So according to this, my internet connection is okay. Uh, so this is episode 12 of Obsessive Conversive Podcast with my old mate, Paul Biffo Man. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, all good, mate. Are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I um, good, good. Did I tell you how I came across? I think I did when we spoke on the phone the other day, how I, I sort of thought, not Biffo would be a good, a good podcast guest. Um, I was, I was literally sat there scrolling through my Facebook and stuff, and I, I was thinking about lockdown. And you and I had a good chat a few times through um, the Facebook group that you'd set up. And I was thinking for, for ages. I, I was running out of thing like. Cause, I think I told you this on the phone. Uh, I was running out of guests. So I was thinking, who who can I get on? Who can I get on? And I've done, I done Michael Blevins. I've done Rob Fusco. I've done Aaron Blevins. I've done Daniele Bellelli. And I was like, how am I going to top this? And I was like, you know what? There's loads of interesting people that I know locally that would just be great to sit down and have a good chat with. I don't know if you've frozen there or not, Biff. It, yeah, yeah, you yeah. completely froze him, pal. Oh, did I? Where did I get to? Yeah. We were just having a chat about uh, you and I really sort of connecting through Facebook. Yeah. So um, in terms of my podcast, I was like, I've, I've had um, Michael Blevins uh, train Superman. I've had Rob Fusco trained in one of the most famous gyms in the country. Um, great chess player um, I'd had Erin Blevins who is um, or was Henry Carville's nutritionist like, where do I go from here and I was like well why don't you start locally with some of the cool people you actually know um, and the first person I thought of was like what what strings most of us together and it's, it's Biffo like I live next door. Live next door to Mal. Me and Mal have had a conversation about um, you, and then football and stuff. And then through, I'd say the, the one time that I was really struggling in lockdown, which was about two or three weeks in, and all of a sudden you 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 set up that group jumpers for goalposts, and it was like, ah, oh, brilliant. This will just get me through my day when I'm bored out of my fucking head. I've done all the gardening I can do for the day. Let's talk, let's talk about footy. Let's talk about the old days. It was brilliant. Um, but I wanted, to, um, I wanted to start the podcast off with uh, my first memory of you, Biff. Well, it's not my first memory of you. Like, I, I, I sort of knew you from around the Peggy Club, even though you weren't playing at Peggy. You'd, you'd pop in, and I was playing sort of youth football at the time. And... Um, I remember being selected by Dave Clark during pre-season um, to play for Peggy Resi's. 
and at the time um most of us under 18s were playing for the 30 uh, yeah. th that might sound mental to anybody that's listened to this um nowadays that teams had three teams and three, yeah, 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 yeah um well e even four sometimes um but yeah. i started off uh I, I played against men when i was just a year older than my daughter is now which is mental um so i was 14 i played with gary stevens um dodge all sorts at we uh at Westfields, and yeah. that that was only ev every now and again though, and that was usually in properly in the screws at some point. Um, and I remember being Trevor Jones. It was he. He. I got a phone call on the landline, um, and it was Trevor Jones wanted to speak to me to go to Peggy, and um, he'd spoken to a few of the boys like John Jenkins. Um, Chucky, Paul Price, uh, Richie Elton. There was a few few of us boys that were kicking around sort of county teams and playing Westfields, essentially Hinton, but it was Cred Nil at the time because I think Price's old man fell out with Hinton. Um, and I, I got brought over to, to Peggy from Westfields. Um, I did a pre-season training. I remember. I can't remember his first name, but his last name was Rose. He was a goalkeeper. Something Rose. Carl Rose. Carl Ro it yeah, Carl Rose. So pre-season, just for, I think it was more or less first team versus anybody else. And it was a 50-50. This idiot went full on in. Carl Rose left Peggy after this tackle because everyone was saying what a good tackle it was. And I basically fucking done him in, in the 18 yard box and, sc and scored. Um, and then I had a phone call from Dave Clark and Clark. He was like, right, we've got first game this season. I can't remember who you're playing for, but I think it was Hinton. I think it was Hinton at the time. Um, yeah. And I was playing right back and I was playing right back with uh, it's Dave Jones and something Frazier. Can't remember his his first name. It's not Dougie Frazier, but it's his Stan. brother. Stan. Stan. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Stan? The... No, Stan was. No, it wasn't Stan. Stan was the ref. The Fraser family, brilliant football. Ah, oh, it'll come to me. Go on, mate. Carry on. With your story. Peggy lad. He still. I think he still is a bit of a Peggy lad. Um, and then left back. I think left back was Matty Gray. Because mm. Matty Gray's only a year older than me. So he, he would have been, I think he was captain of the under 18s at the time. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. And then midfield, we had Gabs. Sorry, Darren, coming back. Billy Fraz. Billy, Billy Fraz. That's it, Billy. Um, so midfield, we had Gavin Stone on the right, Jamie Edmonds in midfield. Um, I can't remember. Uh, Neil Hodgkiss, um, oh. centre mid, left hand side, Lawrence Helm, and up front, I think. I think who did we have up front? Oh, I can't remember. 
Definitely played with a front two. Definitely played 4-4-2. But anyway, so I got given the instructions. And it was that Billy and Dave aren't going to deal with Biffo. So, so it was given to me and Greyer. It was you and Greyer essentially work as centre-backs and they're going to act as two sweepers. And we were like, uh, basically, I'm, I'm 16, 17, Greyer's 18, uh, 17, 18. And we were like, all right, give this a go then. And it got to the second half and Clarkey said to me, he went, Tomo, do me a favour. Don't worry about right back. Go and man Mark Biffo. And I was like, this, this happened to be twice in, in my entire football career, twice. It was basically, your job is to stop one player. One was with you and one was with Robbie Gore. Both was against Hinton, actually. Um, and so... That's fine, can And And... Basically, what they said was, it was like, Tomo, don't, don't try and compete with Biffo in the air because you're four foot 11. But stand off him, let him get the ball at his feet and just nail him every time. And I was like, like I, I said to Dave at the time, are you sure? And he was like, yep, just nail him every time. And literally every time you got the ball at your feet, I was there and I, and I quote, you turn around, you grabbed my shirt at one point and you went, will you just fuck off, you little cunt? <laughs> and that was the biggest compliment I've ever had in football. Other than, like I said, Robbie Gore gave me more or less the same, same treatment. And, my, and that was my old man. He said to me at Broomy Hill, he was like, just go, just go and man mark Robbie Gore. I don't, I don't want you getting the ball. I don't want you playing football. You just stop him playing football. And if he puts his boot in, you give it as good as you get. And I did. And Robbie Gore, literally, he picked me up off, off my feet. He picked me up like Simba. You know, Simba in the, in the Lion King. And he picked me up and he was like, why don't you fuck off, you little cut? And it's more or less what you said to me when I was 17. And I was like, well, I, I guess I'm doing my job right here if that works out. That's a great... That's a great memory, and it, although I can't remember the specific game, I've still got some scars so, <laughs> on the back of my legs. I, I, you know, mate, that's that's. I think you know the way you started the whole thing is is sums up really where the game was and where the game is now. And yeah, you know, yeah, of course, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have enjoyed you getting the better of me, but at the same time, once we come off the pitch, I'd have thought, yeah, you're doing for me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, that was um. You know, and I, I, that's how we should play the game, you know. Yeah, um, and I think I think you played my brother for a little while at Marriott's. I think with um I that. I that. with Chalky and Matty Priest. Um, yeah, I've got fond memories. And uh, I've been asked a few by a few people like, do you do you, do you miss playing football and? I've got my reasons why I, I think I stopped about 28, 29. And for me personally, it got to the point where I, I, I mean, I, I was just one of those unlucky people who just used to pick up niggly injuries that were just, it wasn't one that you could just play with. It was just like, I've broken a toe here or I've, my, my ankle ligaments are gone. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not something I can just run off. I'm, I'm going to be more of a hindrance to the side. And, um, 
but politics sort of got in the way as well. And I think in Hereford that that seemed to happen about the same time. Well, just just before just before that, probably five six years before that, I started noticing politics in football, which I'd never seen before. I just always just played. But as you get that little bit older, I, I didn't like it that much. I didn't like how, like you, you could go to somewhere like Lads Club, where all the referee you go you go for a beer after a game in Lads Club, and you'd see every referee that refereed in the county in there having a beer, and you're there going, "Hang on, what?" <laughs> and yeah, no, there, was, there was a culture, Darren, and you know they were they were basically comparing notes, and you know I've been told since I finished where they they were they they were comparing notes and they were you know patting backs for people who'd got a name in the book if you like yeah. you know so if, if they'd done a biffo or if they'd done a robbie gore that day it was like oh yeah you know uh, that's not really right don't get me wrong i mean i'll talk a little bit about my discipline in football or lack of uh, as we go on but at the same time you're supposed to start every game with a clean sheet aren't you yeah i think so um I mean, there's, there's there's so much we could talk about in terms of football. Like, I've um I've, I'm quite a big basketball fan as well, and I I've watched um well I say I'm a big basketball fan. I haven't watched basketball since about 2002, and um I started watching it the other day, and they've stopped defending in basketball completely. It's all the whole game is who can outscore the other. If you miss, you fucked up. And the other team then just tries to like score a three pointer or whatever, and that's not how I remember. I remember guys like the Glove, Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, these guys that would battle. And uh, I spoke to the old man earlier about exactly that, and he said he went, "Well, football's going that way. It's 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 edging that way. That it's um, it's it's detrimental to your career or your your game." If you're a physical player, I've just on that point. I've literally just seen. I'm I'm an Arsenal fan. I've just seen Andy Carroll get booked for jumping for a header. He he jumped for a header, yeah. And I was like, uh, in what world's that a booking? Even a foul? He's just jumped. <laughs> like, but um, but I digress on that slightly, Biffo. Um, what I was going to say. Um, apart from that, was um, your your love for football? I don't think just it's just football, is it? You're quite a competitive no. person. You love to compete, mm-hmm. um, and I I always remember being being a player and having you as my manager on the sideline, and you're kicking every ball. But it's not just that you're you're in competition with the referee, the linesman, the other uh, manager, and it's and and until I worked with Tommy Taylor, I hadn't really seen it other than with you. Was it's not a one-upmanship? It's a it's like psychological warfare, if I'm honest, because it's everything, every 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 ball that's kicked, every every decision that's made, every comment that's made from the opposing manager there's always something back and like you're you're a quick person in in another lifetime you might be a stand-up comedian biff but it was uh, yeah. it was almost it was almost brilliant to watch 
um, I, I have got a lead on to that, but like, I'd like to know, like, did, did you used to, or would you still, if you were on, on the sideline now, is it, as say a coach or a manager, do you have like, do you go through the same motions as you did as a player, ready to get re- like ready for the, the game, the competition? I think I think the so that part of my nature, if you like, Darren. So my nature, anyway, outside of sport, is sort of I like things to be fair. I like equality. I've got a real issue when things are unjust, and that's just innate. I don't know where that comes from. So, so when a decision goes against me in, on a football pitch, and I think it's wrong, I couldn't let it go. I just couldn't let it go because you know, in my mind, it was wrong. Uh, and of course, you you have to accept that in football. Of course, they're going to make bad decisions. Local referees, same as local footballers, they're they're amateurs. They're going to make bad decisions. Um, but I did struggle to cope with it. Really did. And I think once you finish playing, because you've still got that competitive edge, which which on the pitch you can let go. So you can you know, if you like, get into a bit of a tussle or kick somebody, get it out your system. When you're on the side, you can't, can you? You know, it's it's all internal. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, don't get me wrong, that was a massive failing of mine, really, because, you know, certainly as a player and as a manager, funnily enough, I spent too much time suspended because, because you know, at the end of the day, they were never going to accept that behaviour. But at the time, I'd never change anything because at the time, I didn't, I didn't argue something that I thought was wrong, did I? I thought I was right. I was passionate. And as a manager, what I did become was very protective of my players, especially yeah. the younger ones. So, so you know, where they probably weren't as well, they wouldn't have been as vocal as me. That would have been hard. I wanted to look after them, and if you can't physically look after them, of course it becomes a verbal sort of war, if you like. And I got, I got far too embroiled. But you cannot, you can't help who you are, can you? You know, right back as a kid, when I talked about in my bio earlier on about playing football with my dad in the backyard, I was absolutely passionate about winning. Absolutely, everything I had to win. And I remember back to a birthday party when I was a kid and they set up a game around us in the garden and I think I was out first whack. And I, I can still remember it. I was only about six or seven and I just ran into the house screaming and thumping the doors and <laughs> a proper bad loser. Mm-hmm. My family, they talk about it all the time. You know, I'll flip the Monopoly board. I will. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I know, the, I know that feeling, mate. So, so if you can channel that correctly... Really, that's that's a, that's a quality, I suppose. But when you don't channel it correctly, and a, and a lot of the time I didn't, what I didn't appreciate probably was I was letting other people down. So that disappoints me now when I look back. I never change anything. I can't, can I? In hindsight, twenty twenty vision, mate. But you know, there's been times when I've I've, I've been sent off. You've left. You've let you've let your mates down at the end of the day, and you? you've left them with ten. Mm-hmm. I've been dismissed as a manager on more several occasions for there's no leadership. And, and you're not setting the right example. But, like I say, can I help who I am? I don't think so. Maybe I could have controlled it better. Yes, I probably could have. Although I found myself, quite often found myself under the cosh. And certainly as I, as if you like, went to sort of better clubs, and we'll talk about Pegasus, if you like, and when I worked with your dad, there were great times. But Pegasus weren't in a good place then, Darren. No, they you know, weren't. They, they, they'd had that fantastic... No, they weren't. You know, the, the, the side coming through the late 80s into the 90s, so you're looking at Alan Savory, Mal, you just mentioned, your next-door mm-hmm. neighbour, uh, Keith Armand's, uh, 
goalkeeper, can't think of his name at the moment, but that, that side was amazing, okay? And Pegasus rode the crest of a wave. I played a county cup final early 90s for Hinton against Pegasus. Uh, Brian Booston played in the game right back. You know Brian, don't you? Yep. No Boosty? Yeah, he was, um, I think he was my county manager. He would have been the county manager. And it always makes me laugh because they call him the moth. Do you know why they call him the moth? No, I don't. <laughs> if, there's, if there's some floodlights on, he turns up. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have heard that before, actually. <laughs> so, you know, great. He was a fantastic footballer. That County Cup final I'm talking about, uh, Pegasus beat Hinton, beat us, I think it was 3-1. Uh, Billy Powell scored maybe two, maybe three that day. And unfortunately, Billy recently passed away. He was only young. Mm. Um, uh, very, very sad. I don't, you probably wouldn't remember Billy, Darren. But, um, I, do, I don't think I do. I ever, but, nah, he, he was strong. He was quick. He just, and he was a great lad. And, you know, obviously sadly missed now. But uh, that particular game, Brian Booston got under everybody's skin. He was quality. He, you know, he, he, he blocked things. He got in the way of things and he could play. And as we all went to shake hands at the end of the game, our centre half, old Dave Jones, smacked him. Big Dave Jones. Yeah, not Dave Jones, Peggy. Not Dave. Oh, okay. Dave Jones, Peggy. No. I was going to say I can't imagine him smacking anybody in the mouth. (laughs) No, he he wouldn't. But Dave Jones from Inton would, and he did. So, and Brian Boost had a bit of a squeaky voice, and he—I think he made a comment, and Dave just whacked him. I was about to shake Brian's hand. So I'm like that, and then all of a sudden Brian's gone sideways. I'm like, where's he? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was always in the county cup final. What we used to do then was go back into the clubhouse, and they used to replay the whole game on a video. And as soon as we got in, we got a few beers. Everyone was going, wind it on, wind it on. And we just went straight to the moment when Dave Jones <laughs> Never mind the game. That little. But you know that you know when I uh, playing for Hinton in that. Again, it was cultural, really, the physical side of the game. That's what it was all about. You had to man up. You had to get stuck in, mm-hmm. you know. And people like Dave Jones, Bob Semple, Graham Loveridge, they wouldn't accept anything except 100%. And if you weren't prepared to fo- put your foot in, like you were, to be fair, absolutely, then you didn't fit. That's, you know, and you could probably carry, you know, late 80s into the 90s, you could probably carry two flair players. So they were allowed yep. to get away with it, if you like. Uh, Hinton, again, when we joined the West Midland League, I'm quite proud of this, we joined the West Midland League. Manager was Ralph Oliver. Ralph is an ex-professional footballer, big guy, nose sideways on the face. Tapped on my door. I lived in Cottrell Street. And he came and tapped on the door one night and said, I want you to play for Hinton. And I looked at him and I thought, I can't say no. Because he lived <laughs> in I, yeah. I went, yeah, yeah, what's the back of the and we went into the West Midland League. I, I kicked the first ball for Hinton and they joined the West Midland League back in the day. And like I say, it was basically just a hardcore side, very fit, very physical. But we had two wingers, Peter Roberts and Tony Prosser. And really, it was for nine men to get hold of the ball, get it wide. And then all they did was up and down the line and cross the ball. And luckily, I was centre forward and I scored dozens and dozens of goals. And all I had to do was just run in the box. Uh, and, but it was a very, very physical, they were physically dangerous. You know, we were going up to Birmingham back in the day. We were playing, I remember a side down called Jamaica City. And, you know, it was a, I mean, it, it, well, exactly, you know, you know, absolutely no problem with that at all. But they were from inner 
from Birmingham, very deep set, black cultural sort of backgrounds. We're coming from Hereford, where we completely not multicultural back in the 80s. And, yeah, you know, well, still not even really now. Not now, of course we're not. You know, we're not, we're not close. So, so, you know, it was intimidating. It was very, very intimidating. So you had to, you had to grow a pair of balls. But, you know, winding back to where I, I suppose where I started that conversation. So if you look at my background in football, how I was developed, how I was brought up, of course, when I went onto the touchline, I was going to take that almost physicality into the management side mm-hmm. of the time. And, 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 you know, if you look back to when I managed you, why did I like manage, managing Darren Thompson? Because every time you crossed the line, you gave 110%. Apart from you once. Know? Yeah, you could. There was one time yeah, I didn't. you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember it um, quite vividly, actually. Um, so I wasn't picked for the first team. I was, um, I was with the Screws for, the, for that week. And um, Gav Stone got injured. And um, I got a phone call about quarter past ten on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. And I was in the queue, ready to go into Marilyn's. And it was you, it was you on the phone. And I was like, all right, Biff, how's it going? You were like, Tom, I need you to play tomorrow. I was like, oh, really? And you were like, yeah, Gab's injured. We've only got two subs. I need you to come along. Um, who were we playing? Some team from Swindon Way. Wooden, Wooden Bassett? Bassett, yeah. I think it was Wooten Bassett. Do they play in blue and white? I think I think I think I remember this. There's yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, yeah, all right, I'll be there. Put the phone down, carried on into Marilyn's, got shit faced. And I mean proper shit faced. Wake up in the morning, my old man is literally stood over me and he's mm. shaking his head. He's like, What's that fucking matter with you? And I was like, Ugh. You know, got up. I mean, I don't suffer with hangovers where I get like sick or anything like that. But I, I do wake up and I still feel, still feel pissed. So got my kit together. Um, I've always been a bit particular about my kit and everything. So it was all ready anyway. Just had to pick up my bag, get down, get down to the leisure centre because we're still playing on the leisure centre middle pitch. Um, get into the dressing room. I look over. I see um, Mike Simmons, Simo. And uh, Davo was there, and there was somebody else. There was somebody else, but they literally looked at me just like that. They could clearly see. But if you remember those changing rooms, like the the door opened, and then there was like the bit behind the door. So you guys used to lay the kit out from left to right, so the keeper would be on the left hand side. You go around, depending on. So the the subs kit would be all the way around on the right hand side so as I go to close the door you're stood there bear in mind Biffo to me like I'm like I said I'm like what four foot two close the door there's just Biffo stood there at six foot eight in my head bald head looking like pissed and stressed and you literally looked at me and went Tomo just fuck off and I just went all right, boss. All right, I scored a hat trick then for the um, for the third team, uh, Matty Priest's team. <laughs> so you took, um, I think my brother got sent off for the worst tackle I've ever seen. 
I can, now you said it, you know, you're right. I can remember it really well. I, <laughs> I suppose, though, that, you know, it's a little story about you, because when you were in the queue at Marilyn's, first of all, most people wouldn't have answered the phone. And secondly, yeah. when they answered the phone, would have said, no, I'm not well, I've got the shits. <laughs> yeah. But you, because you love football, you love playing, yeah. you didn't. You said, yeah, I'll be, so, you know. And again, you know, I when I manage you and I manage other players, of course, you get close to the players that remind you of you to a degree, don't you? Yeah. People who, who want to give it everything. I, you know, at the end of the day, Darren, football, you can be as good as you can be all the talent in the world. You've got to work hard. And when people watch Liverpool and they watch Man City and they watch all the top clubs um, and, and they see all that amazing flair, they've got to remember it's, it, it's, it's work rate that gets them there, isn't it? You know, and yeah. I don't think there's any excuse for anybody, any level of football, when they strap their boots on, not to go and give 100%. It don't matter if you, you know, whether you can kick the ball straight or not. If you give 100%, you've given something, haven't you, you know? And then if you've got some flair or a little bit of talent or you're surrounded by people, I mean, look, at the end of the day, look at the career that Vinnie Jones had. And Vinnie Jones would have struggled to get into that side I talked about at Pegasus in the 80s. He would have struggled to get in. Well, he wouldn't have got in that side. Mm-hmm. And now he's, he's gone on to do amazing things in his life, all opened up by the fact that he went with Wimbledon and he just thought, I'm going to give it a really good go here. That's what he did, didn't it? He put himself about when he was allowed to. Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose... I don't think, you know, as a footballer, I, I didn't model myself on anybody, but if, if you want to, you know, there you go. Somebody with limited ability, I knew that. So I thought, what have I got What have I got in my locker that can make somebody want to pick me? I'll tell you what it is. I've got a big heart. I'll, I'll challenge for everything. I'll try and win things. And I could score goals. You know, that, you that were a cracking goal scorer, okay. to be fair, Biffo. Yeah, no, thank you for that. And, you know, I did, wherever I went, I scored goals, but I always, you know, I sort of played second fiddle, really. I was a classic number nine. I remember going to Fauno, and uh, I played. It was the most clinical thing made for me. I lost you then, Biffo. He just knew. I lost you then. Can you start that? Sorry. Start that way. Yeah, you're back. Could you start that when with I, where when you were at Found Hope? Yeah. Yeah, I was just saying about big man, little man, if you like. So, so somebody, so I played classic nine. So I scored goals, but I used to think I wasn't that. That wasn't my only role. So when I went to Found Hope, I played with a guy called Paul Paul Davis. Without a doubt, was the best finisher of that era, Lurley. I think one season, I don't think, I know one season, on a Saturday, between a Saturday and a Sunday, he scored about 120 goals in a season. He was, he was a machine. And he just knew. You know, we talk a little bit, me and Paul, and I used to say to Paul, Paul, if I'm to the left and I'm going up, this is where it's going to go. And he was in that channel. And once he was in that channel, Darren, he was, and his philosophy was, I'll hit the target. And that's where people get it wrong. And when I've come, and I'm not a I'm not a great tactician. That's not the way I work. But certainly from a goal scorer's perspective, one thing I always learn, get it on target. Make the keeper make a save, okay? It doesn't have to be a worldie, does it? You know? Yeah. But if you get that across the goalkeeper and he's got to put hands on it, the chances are that'll roll out to somebody else for a tap-in. And Paul Davis lived off that. And, and that 
people now call that dinosaur football and archaic and all the rest of it. But actually, when it happens now, everyone goes, oh, that was a good goal. Uh, do, do, you know, do you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. You know, 4-4-2. Well, it was 4-4-2. It was 4-4-2, really. And, and they talk about these different, you know, the systems and we're going to play a Christmas tree and blah, blah, blah. Really, at the end of the day, it's 11 v 11, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you, you said there are times in games when people have a job to do. You know they can hurt you, so you talked about me. So somebody says, right, go and stop him. Which is, you know, if you take me out of the game, that's you've done a job. But you've got to remember there, you're also out of the game, aren't you? Mm-hmm. So it becomes 10 v 10 almost, doesn't it? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And I think. You know, I think just people have lost with all the tactics, all the all the formations, everything that, that they talk about, and you see, and the high press, and a, this, and a false number nine. I find it a little bit bullshit, mate. To be honest with you, I still think it's eleven v eleven, and the people with the best players work the hardest. Nine times out of ten, are going to win the game, whatever formation they play. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. We've only got to look at. And I t- Madison, um, Milner, uh, McTominay at at Man United. Take those players out of the team. You haven't got a Pogba. You haven't got, um, well, Henderson's another one. You you take Henderson and Milner out of Liverpool and you, you get the sort of problems that you've had in, in the recent weeks, in, in my opinion. Like you have to have the players that are there willing to just 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 put the yep. work in. You don't even have to be a, a heavy tackler or anything like that. Just put the work in and then you can, like you said, you allow your Salah, your Mane, the luxury to go and, go and score the goals. But if you... You, you can only ca- like I agree with you. You can you, you can only carry two players out of eleven. Yeah, absolutely, and I think they've overcomplicated it. When and I meant in my bio, I mentioned earlier on, Darren. When I was growing up, first of all, it makes me feel ancient. But there we are. So in the seventies, there was no organised. Nothing was structured. It was jumpers for goalposts, and that's where the whole concept of that page came from. Was mm-hmm. where we just went out, threw some jumpers down in the morning, and we literally played football all day. That's what we did. Say, you know, until your mum called you for tea, that was it. It was a game of football, okay? And we were very fortunate in in the estate we lived in at Moor Farm, where we had this guy Ernie Newton, uh, his lad Mark was a goalkeeper, same age as me. Group you sometimes get, don't seven lads, all of the same age, all and. Ernie Newton was a was a massive fan, and and they literally two or three just chucked us in the car, and they would take us to these random fates, as I said, Brimfield and Wolferton. Uh, I remember playing one at Hampton Dean School, and these little six aside tournaments. But nothing was structured. There was no training, and I'm not saying it's better or worse because I don't know that. What I do know is it whetted my appetite. It made me want to play. And so when I got to 16, 17, 18, far from having enough of football, I wanted more. Where I, I, I get a concern now that the, the younger kids play till 18, and then all of a sudden they think, oh, actually, I've done that now for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And perhaps I'll pick up some golf clubs now. So 
I'm not sure that structured football is is really the right way forward. And, you know, again, it was all about learning the hard way. You'd go to a six-a-side tournament and you weren't necessarily playing against your own age group. It was just teams of six, really. And, you know, you had to man up a little bit. So this structured, very defined, almost chess-like football that I watch now, I'm not a fan of. And I, I, I'll never fall out of love of football, Darren. I never will. But sometimes I find it hard to watch. No, I agree. I agree. Um, the Cato, if you like. It's hard to watch now. No, I, I definitely agree with you. My, um, my little one, she, um, she plays for Hereford now. Well, she plays, she plays for Tupsley Girls, and she also represents Hereford as well. Um, and... I've managed to structure work enough that when we're we're not in lockdown or in tier whatever, that I I can work alternate Sunday so I can go go and watch her play, um, and on a Friday night go and watch her train with Hereford, and guys like Jamie Pittman, um, Jamie Wright, all those guys. That I mean. I quickly this this happens on my podcast quite a lot. I tangentially speak. Jamie Wright and all of the dads that tend to coach the girls' teams, never seen him before. Played football in like I literally played men's football at 13 and a half. Never seen these people, but good on them because they genuinely give a shit about girls playing football and having only one daughter, that's great. That's great that those those guys are showing an interest, but it's weird how nobody that I've played football with is is there. Surely some of the guys have got daughters, um, but they might be in the same situation as me that I I physically can't commit to to doing that. But um, they've got this this whole. Well, I went through the whole system of them not competing so they they didn't keep score they um everybody that played got a medal um the participation medal um oh there was all sorts of i was and i'd i turn up every every few few days that she was playing and i'd be like this is bollocks like what, what are you talking about don't give her a fucking medal if she hasn't won. Because she doesn't, doesn't get a medal if she hasn't won. And I was always told, oh, stop it. This is not how they do it anymore. What they're trying to do is promote them to play good football. And on the plus side of that, I will say that when you watch girls that are 13, 14, which is my only experience of watching girls football other than me and George have gone to watch a few Arsenal ladies play, um, Technically, they are they are very good. I mean, I will say this: it might sound sexist. Yeah. There are way there are ways off boys playing at the same age, as in their technical ability, but in terms of how they play football, but they're playing from the back at fourteen years old. They're getting the ball inside the eighteen-yard box, and they're playing football all the way up the, all the way up the field, which is completely foreign. To a lad that grew up under 14s, it was like, well, 
you play it wide, you get the ball, the ball in the box. That was a, that was sort of how I was brought up. Um, but tech, like my, my daughter, she it's like watching a, a young Mesut Ozil. I've always always called her Mesut Gerzel because she um, she's got a natural like football brain, but she just it's almost like she can't be bothered. She's like, oh yeah, whatever. Whereas you see the boys her age, and they're all they're watching football, they're playing FIFA, they're knocking balls around, and and it's it's crazy. It's it, for me, like I never thought my daughter would play football anyway. Because I suggested it, and she was always like, "It's a boys' game, not playing that." And then Jamie sort of pipped her from when she was, I think she was six. She was six at Hampton Dean, and he was like, "I need that girl playing football." And athletically, like, I'm not going to blow her trumpet on here at all. I've done that enough. But she, she's got a turn of pace like you you have never seen, Biff, honestly. You see her playing. She plays it. She has to play a year up because girls football, they, they play in two-year um, age groups. So George is either okay. at, the, at the top end some years. So she's been, she's been fucked about a little bit with teams. Because she's, I think they go. I think they go by their birthday. So she was born in November. So she either is playing against girls that are nearly two years older than her, or she's like the eldest in her age group, and the eldest in her age group doesn't suit George. She's not. She's not the type of person who likes to be like, yeah, I'm. I'm the big I am. Come on, I'm going to run this game. She as. I've noticed when she played, um, she played against Shrewsbury and I literally, I shit myself, Biff. I've never shit myself like this before a football game. I, I play against you. I play against Robbie Gore and you, you, you can, you'll fight me. Except, and yeah, I, except for the time you had to mark me. Well, shit myself a little, shit myself a little bit, but by the time I got on the pitch, I was like, <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'll just keep kicking him and what's the worst he's going to do? Whereas... <laughs> Whereas when you when you got got your kid on there and she looks she looks half the size of the other kids that are on there, and then you see her put in the first tackle and she sticks a kid up in the air and you go ah oh, she's fine, I was literally she's fine, she's absolutely fine. I drove up there with my with. So what you're saying? Hang on, I lost you. Sorry, come on. No, I lost yeah. you. I lost you then, but. No, I, I was just saying that, you know, what your, your, your daughter sounds amazing, of course, but technically and from a pace point of view, obviously she gets that from her mother and the fact <laughs> she can tackle, she gets that from her father. I mean, I've, you know, I, I, I've got two daughters, Darren, obviously grown up now. And I think because I had daughters rather than a son, I never really went into the, or ventured into the junior football side because I think it's a natural progression. If you're going to take a ball into football, you're going to do a little bit of junior. He got involved. That never happened for me. I do remember my youngest having a little go at school when it wasn't for her. And actually, in a way, I'm quite pleased because I'd be like you. I'd be, because you're protective of your girls, aren't you? You know? And yeah. 
I just struggle to see them getting kicked in there or, 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 or knocked about, even though they, they, I'm sure your daughter can look after herself. But so, I, I, you know, it didn't exist back in the day. There was no women's football. I mean, probably 20 years ago, really, it started to really blossom. And good, you know, it's great. And I, you know, I watched, the, I think it was the Women's World Cup, was it last year or the year before, before I think? It was a year before, yeah. Technically, very, very gifted player. The year before, and, and a bit like, oh, I don't know. And then found myself tuning in overnight, night thinking, oh, this is, this is all right, you know. And one thing, I, massive eyes, football, women's football. Don't roll around on the floor. There's no play acting. No, they kick the stuff. fuck out of each other. That's what I was worried about. That's what I was worried about, yeah, though. They get on. Drove all the way up to Shrewsbury, and um, like George isn't a small girl by any means. She's she, she's about uh, five five two, and she's like thirteen. Um, so it's not small, not huge, but um, lined up against the the Shrewsbury team, they were clearly the older age group. So they were the sort of 13, 14 year olds, whereas George is 12, 13. Yeah, they've got that extra year. They got that extra year. And uh, George started on the bench, which I don't think helped with my anxiety in that. <laughs> because you saw the first few tackles go in between the girls. I was like, ah, fucking hell, you're going to put my girl in there. And first thing she did, she got on the pitch, she just literally, and I have to I have to put this in. So they're playing on these three G pitches, aren't they? So um they have to have molded studs. And George was kicking around in Sports Direct going, oh, I don't really like the ankle boots. Don't really like these. I went, right, do you want to just get some coppers? Get you some copper mondial. So I got some Adidas copper mondials. Got them, polished them up, they're sparkling. And she was like, oh, I don't know if I like him, Dad. I was like, no, just just stick him on. One of the best things I've seen as a dad is my daughter with her sleeves rolled up on a freezing cold November night. Copper Mondials on. She The first thing she did was stick this bird who had been kicking the shit out of her mates up in the air. And George just got up. Just she didn't even acknowledge the girl was on the floor. She just carried on. She great, great tackle. Great tackle. My my mum came with me and she was like, she went, Is that I don't think she's supposed to do that. I was like, no, mum, that's exactly what she needs to do. That's exactly what she needs to do. And yeah, it was it was it was brilliant. Um how old is she? Uh she's 13 now. Which must make you feel old, because the first time I played against you, I was 15. Yeah, the age thing, I mean, yeah, and I, I you know, you do, you, you, you constantly, I constantly bump into people, you, younger people than you, and I think, wow, you know, where's that time gone? Or, you know, people, they add you as a friend on Facebook, and all of a sudden they've got two nippers, and you're like, bloody hell, you know, we were... And the time just seeps away, really, and is amazing. And I, 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 I miss that. I miss. I think this lockdown thing, the whole new normal, 
is is really really tough because I think this is why I did it really, Darren. I didn't. Yes, football was everything to me, and I wanted to win games. And we talked about that and the passion and the, that feeling of you know, ninety minutes of, of of really giving everything with all your mates. And sometimes some of my favourite games, if I look back, weren't the you know five nil wins. They were the one nil wins when you had to put your back back against the wall for the last half an hour. You know, when you really had to put, and that thing is, is unreal. But outside of that, the, the pleasure really came from from this, from a bit of banter. I mean, the changing rooms, you know, and, you know, I say it myself, I think around the changing room, I, I would say over the years, I probably got picked for sides, partly because in the changing room, I was a bit of a lad, and they liked the banter, mm-hmm. and it brought people together, and, you know, well, you, you'd see me in the changing room, and... And then, you know, after games and we used to do fines, I've got, you know... Oh, I love the fines. You used to love the fines. Hey, honestly, people say that to me all the time. Just to get, I mean, I can remember pubs and bars and and we'd have 30, 40 in the fines, you know, because it was a great way to make money for the end of the season, but that, that banter and that if closeness that you get with your team, you finish playing, mate. That's really, really hard to replace that. And that that massive gap, and I, I mentioned in my bio, you know, I went on, I mean, I played far too long anyway, but hey-ho. But the veterans football, you know, I went back to veterans football and I loved it, you know. And again, you, when you play veterans, clock back to the 70s, everyone's just going in there and smashing one another. Mm. Very slowly smashing one another. <laughs> and apologising. You know, you suddenly realise you just, Depth to sixty-year-old never changes, does it? It doesn't change, and I think no. that that came home to me. Uh, before season, asked me to go out to Bartis bomber, and there you are. There's two 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 great Latinburg players, and um, they had a group of young lads who come through sort of mainly through Bartistry, and they had some real talent there, and it, they they were tight knit these boys. And I just couldn't, I couldn't connect, Darren. I couldn't, I just couldn't do what I used to do because the, the world had moved on. In the space of five, six years, the world had moved on. And these lads were all about the mobile phones, it, it, you know, a glass of Coke in the bar after maybe and disappear. And, but on the Friday night beforehand, we'd be getting absolutely trolled on all sorts. And I couldn't get my head around it. They, they, I, was, I, you know, I was like, no, no, do that Saturday night. Go and win football and do that Saturday night. But they couldn't. And I, I really struggled. I really struggled. They're great lads, great players. But I couldn't connect. And I couldn't, I couldn't get that banter. I couldn't get that feeling. And I just, I think that was my point. And I thought, you know, everything comes to an end, doesn't it? You know, yeah. you, you know, you, you just realise that you, if you like, <laughs> they talk about Sam Allardyce, Pulis people, you do become a bit of a dinosaur. And rather than carry on trying to do that, I just said, no, that's not for me, you know, and, and, and carry on. And I admire massively anybody, Egg, Caddy, Bomb, anybody, basically. Managing football club because it's fucking hard work, mate. Fucking hard work because players now are precious. But yeah. Whereas back in my day and your day and you were the last generation. I think I was, yeah. Football. That was 
Yeah, no, without a doubt. You you caught on the tail end of the best times, and you you joined in. You got it. And again, credit to your your dad because he uh, he's got the passion. He's got the same ethic, like you said, when you were pissed up at Cumberland Marlins. Who was in the room, your man? Oi, football. Yeah. Do you know? And and now it's a real take it or leave it scenario. Mobile phones are the best and worst invention in the world. And, and of course, Absolutely, yeah. Back in the day, yeah, you know, back in the day, well, we didn't even have a phone. Saturday, Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you didn't, if you didn't train Tuesday and Thursday, don't bother Saturday. You weren't having it because on Thursday yeah. the team got nailed up on the board in Hinton Youth Club, mm-hmm. and if you weren't there, of course, you weren't going to be playing. You know. Unless you were Peter Roberts, they, they liked him definitely like me, so, <laughs> and, and right and rightly so because he was quality. I can always remember. I've got a little story. Hinton Youth Club back on, it's still there on Belmont Road. And we used to work out in a little tiny gym in there. We were sweaty and horrible. We we were moulded studs indoors, and uh, we were doing exercises and all the rest of it one day, and the door opened and Chris Hyde walked, and I don't know where I'd have been playing, but. There was some word that he wanted to come to Hinton, and there was me, Pete Roberts, and Tony Cross, who played up front doing press ups and open. It was like the Wild West, and there was a bit of tumbleweed. And me, Tony, and Peter looked at one another, and we just started smashing press ups out like that. <laughs> so we just do all these press ups. That'll impress Ralph Oliver. <laughs> so I'll have great big arms like Popeye. I still can't play football, but I can do that. <laughs> and uh, we were passionate. No, it, it was genuine. It was like, I'm going to lose my place Saturday. And I, I, I couldn't deal with it. I wanted to play Saturday. And I just, unfortunately, culturally now, do they really care as much as I do, as much as I did? Some probably do. Majority, I don't think they do, Darren. And I struggle with that. I don't want to be on the side losing my mind and, and kicking every ball that you described and getting into battles with the, the ref for somebody who doesn't give a fuck can't do it mate yeah it's, it's a sad indictment I, I, you know no, no get me wrong as i watched aston villa last night against Liverpool, i loved it them kids were amazing i don't know if you saw it but what's you know, some I, of it know, but they're at the top end you know they're getting a yeah and they're getting a few bobs so of course they're gonna they're gonna put a bit of effort in, i suppose and i think that you know if it's okay just to go on a little bit i think money in football in my career, if you like. So I put on my bio back in the day. I went, I think it was post Hinton. I, I, I get a little bit of, forget the timeline. But when I went to Landrindod, Landrindod Wales, it was mid Wales League before they changed it all. Uh, Tony uh, Tony Grin was the manager. No, Win Owen was the manager. Tony Grin was his assistant. And they got me to go and play up in Landrindod. It was a tough league. We got £25 mid 80s, 25 quid a game. In your boots, six pints afterwards and a chicken and chips. I thought I'd made it, mate. Oh, I, I thought, oh, this, you know what I mean. But that was the first time I'd ever seen money in a changing room and how it divides the changing room. Okay, because all of a sudden, oh, hang on a minute, he's getting thirty quid, and I'm getting, you know what I mean? Oh, it, yeah. And it, and it, and I think that there's a level of footwear. It's very counterproductive to pay players. And, you know, all the local clubs have been through it for years and years. Andy Morris denied that Westfields were paying any money. And it was naive, really, because everyone knew they were. That's why they had the best players, you know. Yeah. Pegasus went up and down. They paid a few bob and then they did beer tokens. And 
they, you know, they toyed. I, I don't know what they were doing. Now I hear all sorts. But it's unfortunate, really, isn't it? Don't get me wrong. If you've got a talent and a skill, then you, you should be rewarded for it. And it's a job. If you love football, you should want to play football. Should you know whether you're getting five quid, ten quid? You know they put people on on goal scoring bonuses. Why do they do that? Is he going to deliberately miss? He's not, is he? <laughs> no, of course he's not. You know what I mean? Because I'm getting a ten, or I'll, I'll just pop this one top corner. Uh, and I'm struggling with that really. And Kington Town, when I was at Kington, there was a lot of money swimming around up at Kington Town at one time. Eventually, they went pop. And, and all they it did, yeah. Up really doing it just served to divide. It, it just divided people in the end because people talk and people can't help themselves. And he's getting forty, and I'm getting fifty, and he's getting this. Blah, blah, blah. So uh, I'm not quite sure I went with that. I think I think where I was going with that was you should first of all you should want to play. You should want to play. Yeah. And if someone wants to give you a few bob, that's great, isn't it? But it shouldn't. It should not change your attitude. So if that, like, you know, Friday night when I rang you in the queue, it wouldn't have made no difference to you if I'd have said you can have 20 quid or you can just play. You'd have played anyway, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd have, I'd have just played. And I, and I did play anyway. I, I still played for the thirds and <laughs> scored a hat-trick. One of I, which, one of which was a back post header. Well, yeah, that shows how pissed you were. Yeah. I would say there were drugs involved if you got that high. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Biff... Your story gonna, reminds me. I, I can't. Uh, it was, I'm just going to take a quick on, time out. I'm going to change my internet. It's gone back to my original thing. So I'm going to need to pause this. All right. Yep. Because it's. I need Can to I go on my. Huh? I've got to the bathroom, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Go have a wee. I need to put it on my extension. Give me two seconds. I'm going to pause this. Um, after dinner, sort of started guys in ex-footballers and they've come and done their bit and I met a guy called Alan McKenzie played for Leeds back in the day and Alan uh, his if like from standing start he could jump over a mini car so you you need to get on the Google on the YouTube and watch that because that's quite a feat isn't it <clears throat> yeah I reckon I could do that jumping over a car from a standing yeah yeah well if it was a yeah a Tonka toy, maybe you could. <laughs> I think this is a real car, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Alan McKenzie came and did a, a night for us. It might have been for Pegasus. And he told his fantastic story. Am I okay to do this story? Yeah? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, basically, he played for Nottingham Forest under Brian Clough. And he told his fantastic story where Brian Clough had a meeting upstairs in his office. And he had a couple of people in there and he rang down to the boot room because they had a boot room in them days, didn't they? And the kids used to clean the boots. Uh, we're back in the 70s. And he rang down and the lad picked the phone up and he says, hello. He said, this is Mr. Clough. I've got an, a meeting in my office. I've got two people with me. I need a tray of tea for three. And the lad said, yeah, no problem. And put the phone down. Ten minutes went by, no sign of the tea. So Clough, he rings back down. Lad picks the phone up. He said, uh, are you the lad I spoke to before about the tea? He said, yes. He said, I told you, I need three cups of tea, a pot and blah, 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 and the biscuits, and I need it in the boardroom, and I need it now. This lad said, yeah, no problem. Another 10 minutes goes by, no tea. So Mr. Clough, Cluffy brings back down. Same lad, he said, are you the lad? And he's now pissed off. He said, are you the fucking lad I spoke to about the tea? He said, yeah. 
He said, do you know who I am? He said, yeah, you're Brian Clough, the manager of Nottingham Forest. Yes, I am. And the kid said, do you know who I am? He said, I've got no idea. He said, well, get your own fucking tea then. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's brilliant. That's, you know, uh, those little stories and anecdotes. And I've got loads from my career. People will remember things the same as you do. Things I've forgotten. Uh, That's the bit. That's what football does for you, Darren. You know, that's humour, that that little bit of wit, that dry stuff, the stuff you talked about earlier on. There's a guy, uh, I was at Golden Valley, and we had a lad come out to play for us called Joseph Lakatombi. Do you know Joe? I know Joe, yeah. Yeah, great lad, great lad. And he's a decent player when he was young. He was only a kid when he came to us. And uh, again, you know, the banter. Immediately I met him, I sat him down, I said, what's your name? He said, Joseph Lakatombi. And I looked at him and I went, not really, mate. I'm going to call you Joseph Lack of Ability. And from that moment on, he was always known as Joseph Lack of Ability. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't buy it, can you? You can't make it up. It was just brilliant. And that's the bit, I suppose, mate, I was trying to get to through my career. That's the bit that you miss. You know, and it doesn't matter whether you go and play golf or whatever you do with your mates, it ain't quite the same because I think when you're in the changing room, and you're waiting to play, and everyone's a little bit excited, and yeah, you're excited, and you're, yeah, you're, you're up for it. I think that little bit of adrenaline drives that sort of behaviour, doesn't it? Where a little bit of light relief when somebody can crack a joke, or you know that, and you can't create that unless you're waiting to go out to play a game of football or a game of rugby or you know a, a team sport. I think that's a unique feeling that is, and I, I miss that, mate. Without a doubt, I miss that. Yeah, I, and that sort of alludes onto what I was going to say. Um, God, it's probably about half an hour ago, but um, I did say I, what I usually do on the podcast. Is I'll, I'll do this, so I, yeah, because I go off on tangents all the time. I always cross my fingers if I've got a point to make, but um, this is a point that I've wanted to make uh, since I contacted you, and it was like, should we do a podcast? And it was that um, there's only been like, uh, I, don't, I don't really know how to sort of allude into this, but the energy that I used to get from the likes of you, Tommy Taylor, um, my old man to a certain degree, um, yeah. Dave Hobson when I was a, when I was a, a young young footballer. Yeah. Um, Brian Booston, to be fair. Um, uh, what's his name? Jack Jack Parks? Jack Perks? Jack, Jack Perks, yeah. Yeah, Jack right. Perks. Um, there was a certain energy you used to get from people. And I think it's, it's still there today. Like you see... You see with what Klopp's done with Liverpool. Um, You see, like, and and although they're not doing great at the moment, I'm an Arsenal fan, but you see the disappointment in the Arsenal players when they don't perform and they know what they've done. And what they've done is they've let their manager down, their their coach, their head head coach down, 
or if they've played really well and you see the reaction of the coaches and there's like a, I've literally given you a handful of people there. Yeah. And I, I played under a lot of people. I mean, I got up to, like you say, I, I, I played in Wales. I, I got paid to play football. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of, I'll, I'll do that because that goes back to what you were saying about money and dressing rooms and stuff. But um, one, of, one of the things that I, I was gutted, I was gutted. Was it, was it, it was Heidi, wasn't it, that took over from you? Yeah, Chris, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was Chris, and Chris took over from you and um, my old man, wasn't it? And sure. I, I had to have a, at, at that point as well, Biff, you've got to remember, I, I was a senior uh, player, and I think I was 23 years old. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. My more senior player was Neil Hodgkiss, and he took he took me and yeah, we were we were training over at um, Old School Lane where they still play now, um, but it was in a sort of development stages. Hang on, just whack my mic so I'll probably vibrate like mad. Um, and Hodgie took me into the away dressing room because we were training, and we always tra- got got dressed in the in the regular changing room. Took me into it, and he went, "Tomo, you got to remember, we don't play for your old man, and we don't play for Biff. We play for Peggy." Yeah. Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you completely." But what I will say at the same time is, like, we we weren't doing badly at the time. No. I mean, we weren't winning every game by any means, but. We weren't doing badly. We weren't in a in a crisis period where we needed a replacement at that at that time. And no. for for me and quite a few players at that point, we we'd lost probably two people that we um, we'd either grown up with or that we respected, and yeah, and that they were sort of just thrown away and. I think that had a massive effect on that dressing room. And I I think the dressing room got completely overturned anyway. I think maybe two people stayed, maybe Corey, obviously. Um, And it might have been Robbo, Anthony Robinson. I think they might have been the only two people. I mean, those guys guys were just still coming through, really. Yeah, at that point, they were young. I mean, mean, they, they were four years younger than I was. So that they would have been like eighteen, eighteen, nineteen. I mean that that, that period of time. Uh, I mean, I love working with your dad. You you know, and not to blow smoke up anyone's ass. I don't need to. I can always. <clears throat> I remember your dad. We had a goalkeeper called Matt Taylor from Ross. Do you remember Matt? Yeah, I know Matt. Yeah. Yeah, and a decent goalkeeper, good lad. Um, weren't very quick on his feet, and I can remember your dad taking him up to Old School Lane midweek in your old man's time, and him coaching Matt Taylor to, you know on his movement and his angles because your dad knew, knew his stuff um, obviously you know I'm doing my stuff behind the scenes I think a lot about my life and how many hours I've devoted to managing and coaching no money involved mm-hmm. it doesn't make me a martyr because I loved it you know if you if you took every person in the country who does a bit of coaching and, and put those man hours at £10 an hour you've got a mini economy there you know and 
that changing room we had, the fact that we weren't great and we were a little bit up against it, yeah, like you say, we, you know, we, we got ourselves at least, you know, out of trouble. And then, uh, obviously, Pegasus, they, they gave me the sack and they gave me the sack rightly so because I threatened to kill a referee. Yeah. I, you know, you, you can't do that. You, 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 you know, and we talked about my behaviour. My behaviour spilled over. It went too far. I didn't really mean I was going to kill him. I was going to strangle him, but not kill him. And uh, <laughs> I was going to let him just come back, you know. Yeah, so, as you do. And, and of course, your, your dad stuck by me and said, that's it, that you're gone, I'm gone. I mean, your dad was a great balancer for me, really. Your dad was in the prison service then, so he, you know, he knew about your behaviour. And when I used to kick off, he, you know, he was good. He put an arm around me and say, you know, come on, down you go. But at times, it got to your dad too, and then your dad lost the plot a few times. And I know he ended up in a bit of bother. And and rightly so, Pegasus. Pegasus is a nice football club, isn't it? You know, it's not not the behaviour they, they expected. Neil Ochkis, great player, great lad was spot on but I also I also remember that Neil Steve Aubrey you may have been there but a, a group of players asked to meet me at the starting gate the week I was sacked and had that conversation saying look Biff you know we're, we're sorry you're gone uh, you know blah 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 but we play for Pegasus and and of course you know I was like yeah guys you know you, it's the football club no one's bigger than a football club it doesn't matter who you are and you know you might be a big character and you might be you know if you like motivational or whatever you are but at the end of the day, the club goes on, and they always will, whether it's Liverpool, Pegasus, Manchester, doesn't matter. Um, and, and, you know, times go on, and, I, you know, I'd have me go. What I've always done, Darren, I, even as a player and as a manager, I've just always tried to, to test myself higher. I've done it in life, actually, you know, and, and people, you know, I think, oh, take risks. I'd rather, I'd rather, when I look back at my life, mate, I'd rather regret trying and failing but then not trying does that make sense mm-hmm. right 100% and then you know I ended up so I ended up I was at Sutton we had a good side at Sutton locally we were, we were top I had Keith Holmans out there Alan Trumper was my right hand man we had some good love Trumper and then Westfields came yeah top lad top lad no doubt and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about those guys in a minute how long have we got by the way Darren are we, uh, as long as you like as long as you like okay? okay cool cool so um, so I was at Sutton and we were doing well and Westfields came knocking and uh, they wanted me and Egg to go there as joint managers Sean Edwards has sort of run his reign I suppose and I, I thought long and hard and I thought oh it's a big step that is but no I'm going to do this and it was a disaster it was a car crash for me that was it was a, it was a real it was a step too far it, you know they were they were playing at a level I'd, I'd never been at. The players' money was involved. It was quite clicky. They loved Sean Edwards. Why not? That's fine. And I think, really, me and Egg were there to attract players because we were quite good at that piece, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it, just, it just simply did not work. It did not work. I, I was completely out of my depth, and I'm honest about that, you know? Uh, it, it, looking back, I don't regret going because I've just said, you know, I wanted to test myself, but nah, it was a, it was a step too far. And you do realise as you go up the levels, you mentioned it, the politics kicked in there big style. Yeah. I, you know, and it was clear that yeah. people were talking to people and, you know, and, and I didn't fit. And it, it was as simple as that. And, and that's life, isn't it? You know, and it, it lasted a very short time and I got the call and I wasn't wanted and I was stung. I was really stung. And I didn't do anything for quite a long time in football then. 
But actually, it was just a learning curve, mate. It's part of life. You know, you go on. I tried it. It weren't for me. I, no, do I wish I hadn't? No, I don't. But, you know, it was a it was a real wake-up call for me, that was, thinking there's only so far that the banter, the crack, the motivation, the, the, the all the hoo-ha can take you where you get to a point in football when you do need to be tactically more astute. You need to understand the players better. You you need to get it. Does that make sense, Darren? It it, it does to a certain degree. Um, I, I'd like to say that... Um, From from a player's point of view, though, um, I mean, I, I was never. I'd, I'd say Mickey Will would say at some point I was a bit of a prima donna, but I've, you know me, Biff. I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not really at all. When you you could ask, um, no, no, I'm not in that bracket, mate. No, not but but occasionally, perhaps I did throw my toys out the pram, but. Um, I, I really appreciated little things. Um, little things like having your kit laid out for you. Little things like having... Nice, Little things like having it noticed if your boots weren't cleaned properly. Little things like, uh, hey, Tomo, you were out last night, weren't you? No, I wasn't. Well, someone such and such saw you out. He's like, I was, I was just having a meal with the missus. Stuff like that. That's like the strongest teams that I played for. You had that connection. The the very strongest teams. Like when I was at um, US Howard, we won literally everything that year. Um, that was a good side. With Tommy Taylor, yeah. With, with Tommy Taylor, we had Rob Cooper Tompkins, we had Matty Norton up front, um, Willie Lindsay playing. Um, trying to think of us, uh, John Fernio. It was, it was a crack inside. Uh, I literally played every position other than goalkeeper that year. I was literally just filling in when someone got injured, I think. And we, but everything was noticed. Like to, Tommy made sure everything was sorted every, every week. Like he had me and Brian Watkins playing right and left back the one the one week, and he had. Um, Dave Pretty had come in yeah. to to help him out that week, and he and he said to me in Britain, he was out of Barter Street, and I think you might have been managing actually, it might have been you, it might not have been, wasn't but it wasn't me. Uh, it was somebody I know though was managing the side, and they they weren't a bad side, um, and Dave said to me and Bryn, right, first tackle, make sure you let him know. And I heard Tommy behind me. He went, you've just told the two worst players on the pitch what to do. And then as I was walking out onto, onto the pitch, Tommy put his arm around me and he went, I know what Dave said to you and I'll pay the fine. And I was like... <laughs> Well, we we know we know that how that's going then, Tom, <laughs> and it pretty much did go that way. Um, but yeah, there, there was. I mean, I I don't know how it is in dressing rooms now, but it, it it's not the same, mate. That's what it, I'm saying. About it, it can't be the same. It wasn't the same when the same. when I finished playing. Like there there would literally be me, Joe Taylor, 
uh, Rob Cooper Tompkins and Tommy Taylor. Occasionally, yeah. uh, big man Tommy Taylor uh, in the yeah, Temple man. Bar, having a couple of beers before we went back into Hereford. The rest of the boys at that yeah. point, they, they, they would have their Coke and they'd go, or they wouldn't even. But there was no, no, none, of eating, none of eating the sausage and chips that you get, which I still stand by, is some of the best food I've ever had in Lempster. Like, you go to Lempster, you go to Leisure Centre, and you have sausage and chips after football. Banging sausage and chips. Hands down, Lempster was class for that. Yeah, there's, I think I went to Lentwardine or somewhere like that, and I have a similar memory, but that... That was the beginning of the end. That that was it. You know, I played for Lewis Howard in 1980-something, back in the, the, you know, just after the war. Um, <laughs> old man Tommy Taylor. <laughs> old man Tommy Taylor. Chris Cole, Phil Powell, young Tommy Taylor. Phil Powell Taylor. played football. I'm not having it. Mate, I tell you what. He's only, only ever played selling cars. Yeah. And they, again, you know, you look at Phil, obviously, you know, like everybody else, he's aged a bit, I suppose. And I hope he watches this because he's aged a lot. And um, <laughs> what a he played in a side for Westfields in the early 80s with a guy called Phil Hallett, centre half, unbelievable. Whisper, Mark Williams. Whisper, yeah. Whisper, I'm going to get Mark Whisper Tab. on. Yeah. Tabba, I, I actually played with Tabba. Yeah. This is, I'm, I'm trying to get. Um, I've been speaking to people about this and trying to get them on the same timeline because you were actually born 19 years before I was born. But yeah, I, I played competitive. No, but I, I played against you. And I, I played against Whisper and I played against fucking Mark Tapp. But I played in the same team. I was playing the same team and I was a champion in Hereford with Mark Tapp's boy. There you go. So... But uh, you know, isn't that, isn't that great? You know, you you've got some great memories, some great stories there. That U.S. Harold side I talked about back in the eighties, late eighties, Coley, we were we were very very good. And again, I I've always got a story. So we drew we drew Westfields in the semi-finals of the County Cup. This is before they stitched it all up, where it had to be played under floodlights midweek. Yeah. So you know, it was a genuine draw. And it was drawn. So there we are. So we've got Westfields coming out to US Harold. They're playing top level West Midland League. We are what we are. But we had a good side. But we were hard, hard fuckers. Okay. Steve Yap played up front with me. He could tackle. I mean, we had it all over the park, mate. You'd have loved it. You'd have fitted in that side. Perfect, right? So they come out and they're, you know, the pitch is fucking soaking. There's probably three or 400 people who've traveled, you know, and all you've got is a rope. And we see the Westfields players getting their boots out of their bags and testing their studs. And I'm thinking, I'm not being funny, mate. You could wear fucking wellies on there. It's probably the brook. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the you know, fucking the brook. The amount of times I've been in that fucking brook to get the ball out. But actually, we didn't need a team talk because these claret and blue fuckers who've all turned up and they're on 10 quid a game, that'll do for us. Yeah, you fucking carry on. Because I'm just putting my boots on, I ain't checking nothing here. And I, no. you know, and I remember it really well. So before the game started, we were in the change room, and I said, "Lads, I make no bones about it." I said, "At some stage in the game, I am going to wipe Andy Morris out on the sideline." He had it all. 
he had his awesome Wenger coat on, you know. And I love Andy. And if Andy ever watches this, respect to Andy Morris, yeah. And he's done amazing things for Westwood Football Club. He's a great guy. So, anyway, I, I, how's that going to work, Biff? I said, leave it to me. So, Steve Yap, who I played up front with, who was a fucking brilliant player, I said to him, I said, at some stage in the game, I said, I'm going to get you just to roll the ball out there. You roll it towards Andy Morris. I'm going to go over the top of the ball and I'm going to take the fucker out, whatever happens. So, we're into the second half now. It's nil-nil. Something happened. And I said, I'd give old Yapper the nod. And I said, Yapper, get that ball out there. He got it down, he had a great touch, and he rolled it straight, and I thought, fucking perfect, and off I went. And I had about a 10-yard sprint at it, and off I went, and I fucking launched myself. Andy Morris obviously knew what was coming, because he stepped to the side. Do you know Stuart Davis, Taff? Yeah, yeah. He was bucket. Yeah, yeah, great lad, great lad. He was bucket, man. He didn't know what was coming, and I fucking smashed him and his fucking bucket straight in the air. <laughs> he was over the top of me. Honestly, he was over the top of me. The bucket was on the fucking floor. Fucking Morrow. He saw it coming. Andy Morris. Hey, uh, Morrow just stood back like he does. Really cool, like an estate agent, thinking. Absolutely. It's a true story, that. It's a great story, you know? And we went on, we went on to lose 1-0, and uh, we had Phil Powell and Chris Cole at centre halves, and uh, I, I, I kid you not, back in the day that that was unbeatable. And Paul Burton was very young, playing for Westfields, and he scored a header between the two centre halves. And what a player Paul Burton is, by the way, he was one. Tell, so you know, I've got a good one. I got a good one. As we're talking about stories, so um. I played uh, midweek for Peggy Under 18s against uh, West Brom in the FA Youth oh, yeah. Cup. We got fucking dicked. I um, I've still got a scar on my shin from trying to nail a a lad that must probably be making a hell of a lot of money out of football now. Um, and he saw it coming. Just put his foot up, and instead of clouting him in the knee, clouted him in the sh- in the bottom of his boot. Got a bollock in off uh, both Trevor and my old man, and um, was told that I had training the next day with the first team and the reserves, and I was like, "All right." So I rock up the next day in full kit. I've got Jimmy Clyde. And he's like, right, you fuckers. We're running around the pitch 4,000 times. I was like, that, for fuck's sake. I literally Only 4, just. Only 4,000. That's in a good mood. I, I was like, for fuck's sake. I played against West Brom yesterday. Jimmy Clyde, legend. So I'm taking it easy. There's me and there was, um, I, don't know, I don't think it was Johnny Jenkins. It was Johnny Jenkins. Uh, uh, who was it? It might have been Gav Stone or Matty Gray. One of them boys, and like the actual lads that used to train. And um, so we're we're running around, but we're not keeping up with the with the first team, and we're not keeping up with the reserves. We're just sort of taking like, it, chilled. We. Literally played football last night, and um, 
get halfway through, and uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Clyde is like, he's like, Tomo, you gotta fucking put some effort in. And I turned around, I went, fucking hell, Jim, come on. We, we played last night. And he was like, I don't give a fuck if you played last night. You get around this fucking pitch. I was like, all right, fucking, fucking leg it around the pitch. Absolutely. We're, we're in shit state at this point. We're knackered. We got, we got battered the night before. The night before, but also c- completely physically knackered, and now, now, rather than doing what would be considered sensible training, we're just running around the pitch. I ended up telling Jim to fuck off, and Jim, like Jim, literally stuck. Like, yeah, Jim ends up standing face to face with me. You know, I don't give a fuck who your dad is. I'll fucking kill you now. Oh, so, uh, at, at that point, though, I'm testosterone boy. And I'm like, go on then, fucking Jim, let's have it. And it, it sort of, sort of ends there, though. Sort of. Sort of. So this is about a three-year ongoing thing. So the next thing is that I play Jimmy Clyde versus Westfield. He's he's one of the coaches. And I ended up playing against... Uh, I, I forget the guy. I... I've never got on with him on a football pitch. I don't know him, but he seems to know like um, Carl Morgan, Johnny, all those all those lads. Tall ginger lad, Fuller, Fuller. Oh yeah, he's a great lad. You know, he's. he's really I never got on with him. Never got on with him on a football pitch. That's all. That's all. And I don't know. I don't know him personally. Um, so I end up in a bit of a scuffle by the sideline and um, Jimmy's obviously coaching Westfields and I'm playing I think I was playing for West no I was playing for US Harold and he turns around and he starts fucking he hasn't he hasn't let the training incident go and he starts going at me again and I I literally looked at him and went Jim, wind your fucking neck in, mate. He went off then. He was like, wind your fucking neck in. I'll give you your fucking neck in. Oh, God. He went off and off and off and off. Eventually, I play in a friendly against the Pilgrims. Jimmy's playing. Jimmy's playing. As a ball goes down, in towards the the right hand side corner flag on my side, and I thought, "Fuck it, fuck it." Jimmy Clyde's got to have it. Jimmy Clyde's got to have it. So I fucking nailed him. I put Jimmy so hard up in the air; it was unbelievable. He was winded. Had to pick him up. 
and he tapped me on the top of the head. He went, Tomo, fucking top man you are. And I was like, that's all I needed. That's all I needed. Yeah, that's, 10 years. Know, that's, a, that's all I needed. That's, you know, but, you know, when they're handing out MBEs, get Jimmy Clyde in there, mate. Look what he's done. Look what he's yeah, done over the years. The teams, yeah, he's, he's out and he's training. And funny enough, you mentioned the Pilgrims there. And I played, uh, you know, many games with, with the Pil- for the Pilgrims when they couldn't get all the boys together. I've got a couple of good stories. They, um, I was walking through town. I don't know where I'm, I'm back now, 15, 20 years, can't remember. And I bumped into Garrett Edwards, who used to play for Fowne Oak, center forward, hard as nails, great player. And um, uh, Jim, name escapes me, little Jim. I, I was going to say Jimmy Clyde, but it wasn't. It, it'll come back to me. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm literally walking through town on like a Tuesday afternoon, and I bump into the guys, and they go, Biff, uh, what are you up to? Uh, I don't know. Ah, they said, we're off to Henley-on-Thames tonight to play a game for the Pilgrims, and we're short. Henley-on-Thames. It's 2 o'clock on a Sunday, on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm like, Jimmy Hayes. I said, really? I said, yeah, go on in. I'll, I'll jump in the car. I'll have, I'll have a scuffle down in Henley-on-Thames. So I literally went home, got my football kit, and I went back out. And I was wearing some sort of green football drill top and a pair of shorts, and we drove down to Henley-on-Thames. We were playing a side, I think it was from the Times newspaper. So basically how it worked with the Pilgrim team was they would get invited to play. People, you know, they bought into it because it was the, the, the regiment and, and the money, they'd raise a bit of money for the clock tower fund at the camp. And this side from the, the Times, they, they obviously put some money in and we turned up there and we played this game. They took us back then to like the poshest hotel in Henley-on-Thames. I mean, I'm not being funny, you are talking dollar now. I'm in a green drill top and a pair of shorts. I can't remember the, oh, whether we won the game or lost the game. And I'll never forget walking in and everyone's walking in and they're like suited and booted. And I've still got my football shorts and my green drill top. And the, is it the maitre d', the guy who carries all the yeah. stuff? Is it the maitre d'? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he just walked towards me and he went, Good evening, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm in my shorts and that, and I'm in this place in Emmy on Thames and playing against a Times newspaper, and I'm stood in this green drill top with Biff written on the thing. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then, and that got extended out then. And we, we, I think for three years, consecutive years, we used to go down to QPR and we'd play a, a, a mini tournament on Cup final day. Uh, it was a military sort of tournament, and the pilgrims would turn up there. And we played three games an hour each, I think. And then we watched the cup final at QPR. Fantastic days they were. And I scored a few goals. So, you know, came to fame, scored at QPR. We also played a game at Charlton Athletic. And I scored at Charlton's ground. So, when you look back at your career, yeah, albeit, you know, it's a bit veteran and it's a little bit of this and that. You know, how many players can say they've scored at QPR and Charlton Athletic? Not many, I'd say. Not well, I'll, I'll, I'll look into it. Yeah, that'll be, I mean, Google it. And uh, all the Charlton players are having all the QPR players out <laughs> yeah. of that. So, yeah. uh, you know, and those little moments really where I, I look back and I look at my football career, if, if you want to call it a career. 
and without a doubt, you know, I've put football in front of everything, including my family, and at times probably shouldn't have, but I did, because when it's in your blood, it's in your blood, mate. You know, you cannot move away from that, and it's, I love football, I love football, I love the whole piece, you know, and yeah, football's changed, and yeah, maybe I don't enjoy watching it as much, but we wouldn't be doing this if we hadn't had football, mate, you know? No, um, absolutely not. I, I, I mentioned no, in my not. bio, I went to work in the Isle of Man, and within two days, you get talking to somebody on a building site, play a bit of football, yeah, come training, and the next thing, I'm playing in the Isle of Man League. But, and that's what football does to you, you know, and I mean, I could have gone and played in the Isle of Man, they, they, they would have, they would have, <laughs> they were willing to pay me, to fly me over to play in the Isle of Man, and, it wasn't practical and it never would have happened. Uh, but those little moments in your life, really, when you look back and you think, it's pretty fucking amazing, really. You know, and and I think lots of people have inspired me. You've talked about being inspired. I'll go back to Ralph Oliver, old school, hard man, but he did he did inspire me in a way. He, you know, he there was something about him, inside him, that made you want to play football for him. Do you know what I mean, Darren? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's, literally, I how that's about, literally how I felt about yourself, my dad, yourself. Thank you. and yeah, Tommy Taylor. And again, Tommy and Taylor played in that side at US Arrow when we played Westfields. And Tom, again, came through on that wave, you know, he, and a bit like you, and, and got it. He just got it, same as you got it. You've got to, you either get it or you don't, I guess. And, and when you want to, you know, when you don't want to let anybody down, you want to go out. I can't remember crossing the line. I cannot remember crossing the line ever and not giving it. I'd have been shit lots of times. But never, ever did I ever go out and not give it the big one. I did. I, I, did. I did. I remember. I did. I remember. Yep. I, um, when I, when I went and played in Wales. When I went and played in Wales. Yeah. Um, who did you play for? I, pl- I played for Prestine. I played for Prestine. Oh, yeah, Prestine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Robbie, and, Robbie Gore running the man. I, I didn't want to say, but yeah. I didn't want to say, but yeah. For about two years, I fell out of love for playing football. I fell out of love for playing football. Hated it. Hated everything that... Everything that he stood for that as a manager. For. Why? As a manager. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I yeah, I saw I saw him come saw, off the bench. I saw and him come off the bench. And it was we, we were playing Hinton, and Squidder was playing. You know Squidder? Yeah, very good player. Very good player. One of the best players I've ever played with. I saw him come off the bench. Come off the bench. And physically assault him. And I couldn't get on board with that. Couldn't get on board with that. No. I'm all for being hard. I'm all for. To be fair, I'm all for sticking in a tackle that you probably shouldn't. But for somebody, somebody that size, that size. Throw a punch at a, a, punch a player the size of Squidder. Like I, I couldn't get on board with it. No, I, 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 it's very tricky. Again, you know, we talked about crossing the line, and uh, you know, uh, Robbie's a good friend, and I, I played with Robbie, and what a talent! 
best left foot I've ever seen. No, mm-hmm. actually, Andy I'd Clark. agree with you. What a player. But yeah, at his moments. I mean, and that takes me on to the ground dog when I played for the dog for five or six seasons. Best side I ever played in, probably, albeit Sunday football. And I remember going up to, we played in that National Sunday Cup. Mm-hmm. And I think I might have won that cup once or found it got to the final. Played at Everton Ground. And uh, we, we went up to Birmingham. We played, I can't remember who it was, obviously. But I'll never forget this. We played at this club. We had a bit of a rag-ass Rovers side, and we beat them 1-0. And uh, I'm going to say I scored the winner, because nobody can prove if I didn't. So I scored the winner, <laughs> and we, we, uh, we went back to their clubhouse, and I'll never forget it. We, they told us to sort of hang back. We hung back, and we walked into their clubhouse. It was probably 150, 200 people in there who stood up and gave us a, a, a you know, standing ovation as we walked into their clubhouse. And they'd made a cake and uh, of the Grand Dog badge. And, and, you know, little moments like that stick in my mind. And I think, wow, that's unbelievable. You know, we they'd gone to all that trouble. And we'd beaten them. And there was no ill feeling. It's just amazing, mate. And the Grand Dog, Robbie Gore, Keith, all the players who really... I always Bomber. thought Grand Dog... Bomber. Bomber. Look, mate, you know... Bomb would see, people would see Bomber as, as Bomber, but I'll tell you what, he's a good player. Good really player. player. Great lad as well. I've got a good story. Great lad. I've got a good Bomber story as well. Right, so I think everyone's got a Bomber story. It's like we love him. So Bomber used to live next door to me back in the day. And then we ended up playing against one another. I don't know where it was. I can't remember. Maybe Golden Valley Wellington. I don't know. It doesn't matter. And me and Bomber have been at it all day. I mean, we basically left our front doors together, but... As you know, once you cross the white line, it don't matter, does it? Yeah. And me and Bomb were a good matchup back in the day, to be fair. Very good centre half, hard to play. And me and Bomb have been at it all day, and eventually something happens, and the referee pulls us over. And he's starting, what, you know, what's going on? What's your problem? And I said, well, this fucker borrowed my rake last week. <laughs> so, <laughs> he said, what do you mean he borrowed your rake? I said, well, he lives next door, and he's borrowed my rake, and I've not got my rake back. I'm pissed off with him, and I? So... <laughs> Bomber, I love Bomber, went, I'll give you a fucking rake back. (laughs) 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 Honestly, seriously, we got yellow carded me and Bomb for arguing over the rake. (laughs) 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 And actually, I'd never lent him the rake. I don't even, I don't. I had a fucking rake, to be honest with you. That's brilliant. <laughs> and that was the... So, yeah, Bomb, Bomb, what a... What a and again, what... You know, you, when you play... You play against certain people, don't you, Darren? I did. And I always thought I was in this category when people played against me and thought, he ain't got a very good touch and he ain't got this, but actually I'd rather have him on my side. And oh, that's yeah, how definitely. I always thought about Bomber. Oh, yeah, definitely. You oh, know, I love Bomber as centre-half. I love Bomber as centre-half. Yeah, Definitely. Any day of the week. Any day of the week. Yeah, definitely. Can I... Uh, <clears throat> I know we need to uh, crack on a little bit. I just want to touch a little bit around um, a little project I'm kicking off next year, if that's... Uh, this year now. Is that okay, Darren? Yeah, it's fine, yeah. Yeah, it's fine, yeah. So, uh, I watched, and, and you probably did as well, and lots of people did, the Harry's Heroes thing back last year. Yep. So, Harry Redknapp and all the old yep. boys. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it sort of got me thinking, mate. It got me thinking a lot about mental health 
and the whole piece now about dementia in footballers. And it, uh, I love watching that. And I, I got thinking, and it's a bit like your podcast when you, you suddenly thought, actually, I'm going to bring this closer to home. So I thought, wow, uh, maybe we could, we could do something local. So uh, again, COVID has, has fucked it up a bit, but myself, Keith Almonds, Alan Trump have set up a little group and we are planning to take a team of veterans on a mini football tour. So Harry Hero style, if you like, but I want local guys and we've, we've, we've put the names in now, if you like, who would get on the bus with us, but would be prepared to sort of talk about mental health. Cause I think it's a massive issue. And I would like to think that some of the more respected ex players locally were prepared to, to do something that we could put out on YouTube or you might be able to support us with, with your yeah, technology, if you like. Where we could send a message out to younger people saying, look, so as an example, you take Biff and these young people look up and now they'll think, oh, Biff and he's all right. I've had my issues, mate. Same as I'm sure a lot of people have. Uh, have. And I'll say it on the podcast. I've got no problem with that. I, I had a nervous breakdown in early 2000s. I can't remember exactly when it was. And, you know, my, my life wasn't in a good place. And and it's difficult and it's hard and it's hard to talk about. But I wanted to I want to do something. I want to make a platform where we can say to young people locally, locally, who, who recognize faces like Bomber, like me, like you, like Keith Holmans, if you like, who think, fucking hell, I, you know, these guys are real and these guys are struggling. And but these guys are prepared to go and talk about it. So we 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 basically had a venue, we we had a, a club we was prepared to take us on. We were going to go down maybe Friday to Sunday. Yeah, of course, we were going to have a few beers, but you're also going to include somebody who could talk to people. We could put something together. Is that something that you'd be interested in, Darren? Absolutely. And I also know Absolutely. somebody that, I also know, um, that um, could be the guy that could, could speak to everybody as well. Speak to everybody as well. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, so maybe we could take yeah. that offline. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. There's, there's definitely, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I'd like to do that. I think, and obviously, you know, we'd love to have you involved. I think it's such a massive topic at the moment. And I think going back to my career, I've, and I've told Claire this, Claire's my wife, is that over the years, as much as I've loved the banter and I've, I've dished it out and I've taken it, I never once thought, I might be hammering somebody here who's struggling. Mm -hmm. That's the downside of the old school mm -hmm. changing room. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, I can't, I can't have regrets about it because, you know, it, that's the way it was. But modern life dictates something different. And I don't want anybody sat in a changing room getting the sort of shit I used to dish out to you and people like that if they're struggling. I want them to be able to say to somebody like me or you, I'm struggling, mate. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want the podcast to be, I don't want to, you know, end it on, on an, any sort of negative note, but I, I, I think it's really close to my heart now that I want this to happen. And no, no, I, I, I totally agree with you with that. I, I totally agree with you with that. I mean, we, we've all been dug out at some point in a, dress, in a dressing room, haven't we? In a dressing room, haven't we? Mm. And Massively and so, mate. 
I reckon I could I could stick I could I could stick five or six people five over six my entire people, career. My entire career that maybe I would have gone they ain't taken that well. They ain't taken that well. No. Normally, like like Biffo, if you if you, like, like if you turn around to me and said if you turn around to me and said Tomo, what the fuck are you doing? Tomo, what the fuck are you doing? I'd I'd be like I'd I'd be like Either sorry, 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 Gaff, but sorry, or sorry, sorry, or like the fuck you talking about? That's not my fault. Fuck you talking about? This one's to go quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's to go quiet. Yeah. And it, like I said, I can probably I five times. Like I, said, I can probably. I could. I could, I, was, I could tell you that I was. I could tell you that I was. But it's different now. It's different now. It is different, and you know, and I, I don't, I don't like the the term snowflake generation because it's unfair. Because at the end of the day, the generation creates a generation. Mm-hmm. Young people coming through a, a, mm-hmm. like the result of us, if you like. So, if they're allowed to play on Xboxes and and you know tackling's barred, that's not their fault. So it's no good me referring back to the seventies and the eighties and you talking about stories of smashing people, which we get, but expecting to stamp that onto a seventeen-year-old now, it's not fair. And you know, and I think young people at the moment, especially young young people, young men. They're in a difficult position now because they come out of a different generation. I I was hard nosed. You're hard nosed. You had your old man, didn't you? He, mm-hmm. you know, he, he didn't accept second best. Mm-hmm. He just didn't, and, you know. And that's yeah. why we love your your old man. Yeah. But and then again, I touch back to the Barchester piece. Probably that's why it didn't work because I couldn't really tuck into anybody. I didn't feel like I could, Darren, uh, because I just thought, now nah, you know, this is going to break this boy if I if I do a proper biff on him now. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and I don't want people struggling. So, you know, my football career, my football life, if you like, career is the wrong word. I haven't had a career. My football life has taught me that, 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 you know, times have changed, times have moved on. And I don't, you know, I hate the thought of somebody being in a changing room and going home and thinking, I don't want to play football anymore because because they, they took the piss out of me. I don't want that, you know, and I, I, I don't. I don't believe in the snowflake generation, and I'll put that out there on the podcast. No, I'd agree with you. No, I'd agree with you completely. I um, life just changed. Man. I, um, I I don't agree with the. I, I don't agree with the uh, participation medals. Participation medals. I don't agree with. I don't agree not with keeping this. score. Not keeping score. Um, I totally agree with that. I. Winners and losers. You've got to have winners and losers. Yeah. That's life. Because, because, yeah, because that's yeah, life. Totally. Yeah, because that's life. And I think, you know, when you look at, you know, hard-bitten winners and losers, people, I, I mean, I've, again, my we talked about the love for the game. If, if I had a choice of watching England play football or England watch rugby, I'd probably switch to rugby on now because I still enjoy that physical element and that contact and the, and the you know, no rolling around element of the game. But even rugby's changed, hasn't it? Rugby's yeah. changed, so their mentality. Yeah. And again, you know, this issue about dementia and and heading the ball, you can't take heading the ball out of the game. Don't I'll, I'll never I'll never agree to that. You know, it, it, it's an integral part of the game. And well, my game was, you know, I had a better my first touch was better than my head, and it wasn't my feet, as you know. So I don't want to take it out of the game. <laughs> but I think. You know, you've got to recognise that probably over the years, and I, I think I could be in that bracket because you know, when you think about it, I, you know, from the age of ten to the age of fifty, I just, and 
head in the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's why I keep calling mm-hmm. you Dave. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I shouldn't make, I shouldn't make light of it, but you got to though. Uh, you know, you got to though. You got to. You, you know, and I'm, you know, I'll thank Worthington. I did an after dinner speech with him. He was absolutely amazing, and now he's struggling. We've lost um, Barbara Windsor. So, so she wasn't a very good player, though, was she? To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's good up top. She's good up top. You know, and so it's out there. It, I, I suppose I'm saying to you now, if there's a legacy from the bit I've done, is that I'd like to 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 make that happen. And uh, you know, a bit of support I'm in. from yourself and your contacts would be amazing, mate. You know, I'm in 100. You know, I'm and, in 100%. And, and that's awesome because you know I, I've got this vision of of a bus full of guys going down to Devon, we've linked up with a club down there who are on board with it and somebody on that bus who can record a few pieces, bits of clips, whatever it is, somebody I saying, can do that. like me, saying... Look, I, can know, I can do that. Yeah, I can do all anyway, that. I can, I can do all that. So for me, mate, I mean, and, and unless you've got more, I, I think we've done a decent amount. Is that... Are we okay? I'm, I think we're okay. But you I did, you did okay, want to speak... You did, you did want to um, speak... About um, Ash, didn't you? About Ash, didn't you? Yeah, if that's okay with you. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Me. yeah, that's good. I mean, that's, you know, sadly, and that's how this year began, how last year ended. Um, and again, I mean, amazing. There was an amazing outpour there, really, of, of love, really, for Ash Rumsey. Because, unfortunately, in the football community of that age group, probably lost, that was the first time we lost anybody that close, you know. Um, there's still stuff going on for Rums. There was stuff that was organised. Uh, certainly, we had a, a very big event booked with Steve Ball coming to talk and uh, sports auction and memorabilia. Darren, the generosity is unbelievable. I mean, we've got stuff stored away, which is probably worth, my goodness, like thousands, thousands and thousands of pounds now, which is on hold. A few of the pictures I sent you today were from the day. Were you up there? Were you at Peggy that day, Darren? I, I wasn't. Um, no. Tom Tom Bevan Tom, Tom told me about it told me about as he was on the way, and I was like, "Mate, I didn't know anything about it." Such a shame! Such a shame! It was a again, you know, at that time, obviously, we were we were trying to raise money for sort of special treatments, if you like, for rums mm-hmm. that, that we, you know, they believed and we believed that would would at least prolong his life, if nothing else, and ultimately, it made no difference. It, Pancreatic cancer is a terrible thing. So that's another thing which is close to my heart now. Um, I wasn't massively close to, to Rums. He was part of the football community. But I just I just thought, you know, we're nearly 12 months on. Sooner or later, we will open up. This country will come out of this, this terrible position we're in. And I would dearly like that event to happen. And again, if we can get you involved, it might help us. Uh, and and hopefully, you know, we can raise a few bob for research into pancreatic cancer because that it's a terrible disease, you know. And to be quite honest with you, if you've got it bad, it's no coming it. back, really. It's no coming back, and, really. You know, he, in my football life, I've met some brave people. I've met people like you. So there's brave and brave, isn't there? So there's brave flying into a tackle. Boom. I've done that. You've done that. I've put my head where angels fear to tread. That's part of the game, isn't it? There's also brave like Rums was. 
So when you know you, you, you get that message, and then I went to visit him several times. Never once, never once did he bemoan his position. Never once did he cry. Did he? You know, I never saw that. I, you know, I saw somebody who was fighting, and I've got to be honest. You know, as a footballer, I didn't really, I didn't have him down as us hard as nails type of player. But in his battle, he was amazing. And that's nice to put that on record, really, because he it's touched perfect. a lot of people. Perfect. Yeah, a lot of people he touched. And, you know, ter- terrible story. And obviously, you know, he's, he's, the people he's left behind have dealt with, you know, unbelievable sorrow. So when things open up, you know, it'll become a, hopefully it'll become perhaps a celebration of Ash's life, if you like, rather than what it was previously. But uh, yeah, so thanks for giving me the airspace on that one. Thank you. No, that's fine, mate. Um, that's fine, mate. Nikita, his his Nikita wife is, is uh, a good friend of mine. Good friend of mine. She's an amazing um, person. Yeah, she is. Yes, yeah, she is. Um, and unfortunately, because of all of this, I've of all this, I've not been able to see or speak to, to her really. Or speak to her really. No. Um, but um, I know she'd yeah, appreciate that, Biff. She'd appreciate that, Biff. Yeah. And. Let's let's do it. Let's let's do whatever we can. Let's do whatever we can. I think it's right. You know, we. Uh, I think from our experiences through football, and, that, and that's what it is, and that's why we've got a friendship, and that's why me and your dad have got a friendship, and your bro. And I think, you know, if you're going to end this on that, for me, and someone says to me, "What what's football given you, Biff?" It's given me great friends, great friends, people I would never have met. Everywhere I've been in the world, you know, and travelled. Well, I say the world because I'm not a massive traveller, but definitely the country and wherever I've gone, you meet somebody, don't you? And they like a bit of football. That's it. You're connected. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's job done because you you've yeah. got something in common, and, and you know, not many people haven't. And occasionally you bump into people who who, who don't like football. You think, what the fuck do you do? <laughs> <laughs> so because it's football, mate. You know, and and I love the banter. I love the crack and. Yeah, like I said, we took it too far at times. That's fine. Uh, the whole, the whole football family, global, local. Uh, you know, and I wouldn't change a thing, mate. I wouldn't. I would not change a thing, uh, apart from my first touch. It was shit. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> to be fair, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Ralph Oliver took me to Hinton, and he, you know, and like I said, he knocked the door, and he was like a doorman, and uh, I had no choice because. Felt like he was going to beat me up, and uh, after about three training sessions, and we were doing some shooting, he stopped the whole session in front of like, bearing in mind back in the day training would have been forty people, he stopped it, stopped the session. Whoa! And he lined up five footballs, and he stood five yards away from me, and he said, "Kick the ball at me." And I'm like, "Well, well you're the gaffer, you know. If I kick the ball at you, you know, it'll, it'll hurt." And he said, "I doubt you'll hit me." And I hit five <laughs> shots, and I missed him five times. <laughs> from Hinton Youth Club I put them all into the ship in and I had to go and fucking fetch them across the road and I we practiced at US Arrow we practiced sliding tackles mate that's what we did so, uh, see, it's amazing me and, are we done? Uh, see, me, me more or less I wanted to give you um, more or less I wanted to give you um, three things though first first thing so yeah yeah please um First thing is that usually on my podcast, I've got a section called Shit My Dad Does. I've got a section called Shit My Dad Does. <laughs> Please do that. You didn't know this, but mum um, and dad split up about eight years ago or something like that. Eight years ago or something like that. And 
Dad's working in London most of the time. Dad's working in London. And when he's not in London, he lives with me. When he's not in London, he lives with me. So I have to deal with... So I have to deal with... Tom. Tom. Except now I'm nearly 40 years Except old. now I'm nearly 40 years old. And I've got a 70-year-old man-child. I've got a 70-year-old man-child. Um, good revenge for a parent, that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. <laughs> um, so his, his thing at the moment, so and his, his I kind of love it, and but I kind of hate it as well, because he has to tell me about it. Which is that he, he's bought himself a little golfing computer. He's bought himself a little golfing computer. Which he selects the club, which tells the computer. He selects the club, tells the computer. Takes a swipe with his golf club. Takes a swipe with his golf club. And he takes a artificial bit he of takes grass. A artificial bit of grass <laughs> to Gorsey Lane. To Gorsey Lane. And then practices. And then practices. <laughs> and then gets all the analytics and everything gets all the analytics and everything Brilliant. which is great it's great for dad gets him out of the house gets him out of the house but he doesn't need to come home on every day off that i ever have which is very few which is very few and tell me all about the pitch etc of his golf shot because i don't care i don't even know what that means i don't even know what that means He's got all the analysis. He's got graphs, He's everything. Got all the analysis. He's got graphs, everything. Brilliant. Right, so there's that. Um, right, so and, there's that. Um, and I tell you what, I'll just skip to the the last section what, that I'll I usually do. The, the last section that I usually do. So it doesn't have to be anything in particular. It could be food. It could be football. Could be rugby. Could be carpet. Could be anything. Carpet. Could be anything. <laughs> Underrated, overrated. Underrated, overrated. They don't have to be linked. They don't have to be linked. So it could be something that you think is underrated. You think is underrated. And something that you think is overrated. And you think is overrated. Overrated. I mean, that's obvious. That's Man United. I mean, that's just too easy, really. <laughs> so that's just a limit. That's, that's fine. Underrated. That's, that's fine. <laughs> underrated. My first touch wasn't that bad, Tommy. Yeah, it was never that bad, mate. Yeah, it was never that bad, mate. <laughs> right, Biffo, can I um, can I just say thank you very much for taking the time out on your Saturday? Taking the time out on your Saturday. Been my pleasure, mate. My Hopefully, pleasure. the audio and everything is going to be okay. Audio and everything is going to be okay. I hope so. If not, we'll just do it again. If not, we'll just do it again. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll do it again anyway because I've loved it. I, I just leave. I'll leave us with one thing. I suppose is that. Uh, the older we get, the better we were. Stay safe, everybody. Bang on, mate. Thanks very much, Biffo. Thanks very much, Biffo. Take care. I'll speak to you soon, mate. Love you. I'll speak to you soon, mate. Love you. Love you too. Bye.